You're listening to a special Yukon Health podcast, World Voice Day 2021. World Voice Day is April 16th, and joining us, Dr. Dennis Lafreniere, an ear, nose, and throat specialist and head and neck surgeon in Yukon Health, and Star Cookman, a speech pathologist, both joining us from the Yukon Health's Voice and Speech Clinic. We'll have another special guest joining us a little bit further down the road here. But let's start off with uh, Star, Dr. Lafreniere. Could you tell us a little bit about the Yukon Health Voice and Speech Clinic? Sure. Well, we've been around since uh, 1992, uh, and we take care of anyone with voice issues. Uh, we deal with professional voices, which include not only singers and actors, but also teachers and lawyers and anyone who has to use their voice throughout the day to get the job done. We deal with all sorts of voice problems from some irritations from a cold and upper respiratory infection, things like polyps or nodules that will develop from misuse of the vocal folds. We deal with patients who have neurologic disorders. We deal with patients who may have cancers or tumors of the larynx. All of them require a team approach. There are the tissue issues, which we as the physicians take care of, but there's also the muscle use issues, how people use the larynx in response to certain irritations, and that's where I, my speech therapy colleagues come in. I work with Star. I also wish with, work with Patricia Doyle and Janet Rovolino. I like to say three of the best speech pathologists in the country, and I'll stand by that. <laughs> All right. we, we pay him to say that on, on the regular. Well, you're the one who <laughs> hired them, right? So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, that's nice to hear. All right. Well, uh, for people listening who may not be aware, uh, the three of us actually, and, and Carolyn Pennington, my colleague, the four of us got together not too long ago, and we had a podcast dedicated to what's happening at the Voice and Speech Clinic. So that link is available in the show notes of this program if you want to go back and learn a little bit more about that. I mean, we'll be talking about it some more throughout this program, but let's talk about World Voice Day, April 16th. How long has World Voice Day been a thing, and, and what's the motivation behind it? Yeah, so World Voice Day actually first started as a Brazilian National Voice Day, and that was in 1999. And it was conceptualized by otolaryngologists or, or head neck surgeons and speech pathologists in Brazil. And it really was, the motivation there was to bring attention to the human voice, to celebrate both the artistic and clinical sides of voice use, and to also bring attention to um, voice care and uh, you know, help people to maybe do more things that would prevent vocal injury down the road, teach people how to use their voice and how to take care of it. So um, within by uh, 2002, the idea went global and uh, became World Voice Day at that point, and it's been going ever since. And uh, I think this year there's almost 800 different World Voice Day events going on around the world. Um, I think Russia had the most events this year, and uh, mm -hmm. we just there's a, a clearinghouse where you can post your event and find out about all the other events that are going on um, at worldvoiceday.com. You can um, find out where there are free World Voice Day events. Sometimes the events are, well, before COVID, there were flash mobs that would pop up in different places to celebrate World Voice Day and increase awareness. Um, there have been lectures. We've done some half-day workshops here at UConn for, to celebrate World Voice Day. And uh, it's, just, it's just a great reason to celebrate and increase awareness of the human voice. And one of the reasons we're doing this now in this format this year is uh, historically you have done in-person 
World Voice Day events with live performances. And we've made an arrangement in this podcast to, to bring you some entertainment from somebody you've heard of. You'll have to stick around a little bit longer to find out who. But uh, let's, speaking of World Voice Day in April of 2021, which means we're looking at 13 months or so of being under pandemic conditions. Uh, how has COVID changed your medical practice? So yeah, uh, as I mentioned before, it's a team effort. And seeing a patient we have to deal with what I call the tissue issues, as I said, taking care of what's wrong and, and, and what could be swollen and how do I fix that, but also taking care of the way the patient is using their voice, which requires therapy. Now, typically when we see a patient, we meet with them face to face, we talk, we get a history, and then we examine them. And that examination often requires them singing or speaking in front of me so I can hear what the problem is. I oftentimes will do an examination of their larynx through a flexible scope, which we place in their nose to look how the larynx is functioning. Sometimes we'll put a rigid scope through their mouth to get an up-close picture of the vocal folds. But as you can imagine this, face-to-face -face doing this with yeah. someone with COVID, the, world er the word aerosolization pops into mind, and that's <laughs> the formation of of very small droplets of moisture that can come out through the lungs, through the mouth and nose, and they can carry COVID and carry them into you and your staff. So that was an issue we had to learn to deal with. Yeah. And the way we dealt with that is by, first of all, protecting ourselves, wearing appropriate PPE. I sometimes tell my patients I look like I'm going to Mars <laughs> because I have a face mask on and I have double masks and we're all covered up. Uh, but also we help, we, we also protect the patient to some degree as well, or they're wearing masks themselves. They're being screened when they walk into our office. We do temperature checks like we should. If they're ill, they really, we really don't want them walking in. But we'll also use some materials like a diluted iodine solution, which we put in their nose, which will kill any local bacteria or viruses there. We then put a little face mask on the scope as we put it in their nose so it's protected. We have very good air turnover rates in the office. So we've been able to adapt our practice so we can take care of this population because the needs are still there. Sure. And there were times where people were staying away for several months when they really needed to come in and be seen. Now, that's my end of the spectrum. STAR has to deal with similar things, and our speech pathologists do. And STAR, you can tell, tell us what some of your challenges were. Yeah, um, so after we get the larynx visualized and we're able to see what's going on, we uh, you know, usually need to make some other measurements of voice quality and also of talking about aerosols. We typically measure how much air is moving past the vocal folds when somebody speaks or sings. And that piece of information gives us um, a lot of insight into the, how well the larynx is functioning and what we need to target in therapy to help recovery. So, you know, at first it was quite a challenge to try to figure out how to replicate these issues. Um, anytime anybody speaks or sings, that action is happening on the exhale. So by definition, it is an aerosol generating uh, event. And so, like with many professions, we pivoted pretty quickly and went to remote online um, care. Um, and then we were, there were certain procedures that we did, such as measuring airflow, that we have not yet been able to uh, restart. And uh, I, I anticipate that we will soon, 
But for right now, we're doing recordings. And in some cases, the patient or the person who's having the problem is making the recording at home. And then they're either emailing us a file of uh, their voice or, and then we're, we're analyzing that file, or they are downloading an app and then they, you, they, they use the app at home and they tell us the data that they are able to get from oh. the application. So um, the, the telemedicine format has been a lifesaver for us and it's made it so that we've been able to keep our practice very busy and we've still been able to help people. I'm getting to the stage now where there's a, quite a number of people who started as a telemedicine person and have ended their therapy through telemedicine. So these are people I've never met face to face. And you know, they're better, they, they get better. They can go back and see that, you know, if they did have nodules, those nodules are looking better. They started out hoarse and now they're clear, you know, so it's, it's been quite an education for all of us to sort of be forced into using the telemedicine practice. Um, it was there before, but we didn't, it wasn't widely used. And now everybody across the board have been forced to use it. And we're finding that in some ways it's really, really helpful. What a remarkable evolution over barely a year to kind of get that down and deliver patient care the way you've been able to. Yeah, yeah and uh, you know, one of the other questions I get a lot is about surgeries and in the operating room and how that is working. Similar safety measures have been taken uh, into consideration when we're doing surgery. Again, sometimes we are actually having the patient breathe on their own when we're doing the surgery or we're puffing air down into their lungs and again, exposure. So what has helped us there? Well, obviously testing. Everyone who gets surgery is going to get tested 72 hours beforehand. And now with vaccinations, hopefully the more we get vaccinated, the safer those things are going to be. So we did delay doing surgeries for a bit. We started again perhaps at the end of May, early June of last year. But now we're pretty much back to full speed. We have adapted to that, to that process. Star Cookman and Dr. Dennis Lafreniere from Yukon Health Voice and Speech Clinic. You're listening to a special Yukon Health podcast, World Voice Day 2021. Now, over the last year or so, what seem to be the voice issues related to the changes that we've all experienced due to COVID or, and what uh, are the voice problems that you have seen that might have been on the rise because of the way we've been living under pandemic conditions for the last 13 months? Sure. So um, I call it mask fatigue and, <laughs> yep. and also yep. speaking through a mask and also Zoom fatigue, yeah. which, which uh, uh, Star can tell you a lot about because most of her job has been done over Zoom. So Star, yeah. tell, us, tell well, us about some of the problems. You know, you had mentioned before, some people are even having to do both. So they're, mm. they're broadcasted via Zoom mm. and they have to wear a mask because there are people mm. in the room mm. with them. So yeah, it has been um, really challenging for some folks to pivot from in-person um, to, to Zoom. And uh, I think that oftentimes what happens is people are speaking a little bit too loudly. Or they're speaking more loudly than they need to be to be heard via Zoom. And that can lead, uh, lead to fatigue. Um, there's also posture. So posture, when you're working through your computer screen, can sometimes be slumped with your face 
kind of reaching <laughs> forward as though you could connect to people better yeah. by reaching your face into the into that computer screen, right? So then maybe all those kids that you're teaching might be able to connect with you a little bit better. But that kind of posture is very difficult on the voice, and it can lead to vocal fatigue um, and an increase in the speaking effort, the effort that it takes to talk if your posture isn't a little bit more upright, right? So that's a couple of things. Also, people sometimes are not taking the breaks that they need to take when they talk on and on and on yeah. via Zoom. And those breaks are important that would naturally happen when you're having conversations. So many of the teachers I've spoken with, they'll say, oh, I used to get so much more student participation when I would be in person. And now the kids are just shy to, to pipe in and they're just kind of, being passive receivers of information, but not really jumping in using the online format. Well, what that does is it puts a lot more pressure on kind of this nonstop voice use of our teachers. And uh, that in and of itself can also lead to fatigue. Yeah, and colleagues of mine who are in the business world are finding that they're working longer hours, many of them, because they start in the morning online and they can get a lot of work done. They don't have to drive to work. They don't have to drive home. Those are all times where you can take little vocal naps. Those vocal naps have gone away. So it's one meeting after the other, and most people, you know, most meetings are fully attended. Now, where they might have been sparsely attended if schedules were busy, now everyone is there. And so, yes, you're, you're, the mass is covering your mouth. You're not using good technique. You're not hydrating. You're not getting your rest, and you're using, poss possibly using your voice more than you were before. So it leads to fatigue, and we end up getting... But some of us might not be shredding our vocal cords by using poor singing techniques as we drive home and sing along with the radio, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> well, there's that. Huh, are you is, are you coming from a personal perspective Maybe, there, Chris? I don't know. <laughs> Just other people might be over singing in the car, not you. Now, when we <laughs> when we when we got together for the Yukon Health Pulse podcast, which is available on the Yukon Health Pulse podcast channel, where you're getting this podcast. When we got together for that, um, Dr. Lafreniere, you had mentioned that vocalists are athletes, right? And we use the term vocal athletes. Um, so what's your advice to vocal athletes who are on Zoom all day regarding maintaining their vocal health? It's very similar to whether you're on Zoom or not. And uh, it's staying well hydrated. It's getting your rest. It's it's exercise so that you're you're not just sitting in the same position all the time um, uh, keeping yourself well nourished making sure you're eating your meals not staying up really late watching what you're eating watching your caffeine watching your alcohol uh, I saw a slide the other day of a coffee cup running down, handing off the baton to the glass of wine, <laughs> which is the way people said they were getting right. through the pandemic. <laughs> All of that is, is you know, it can uh, lead to additional reflux, lead to issues with the voice. So that good vocal hygiene is something that we have to always continue to, to keep in mind. You know, if I can add, too, um, we have found that it actually is quite helpful to speak in a more humid room th as, as opposed to a dry room. Yep. So when you're, when you're at home and you're doing most of your work via Zoom, the good news is that you have a little bit more control over the humidity, the room humidity in your room. So keeping it at 40, 50 percent is uh, helpful for your voice. Because um, if you keep in mind when you're talking, you're mostly breathing in through your mouth. 
And when you breathe in through your mouth, if you're breathing in dry air, that has a better chance of drying out your vocal cords than if you're sitting there breathing in and out through your nose. So if you could make the room humidity better, then you put your voice at a, a little bit of a better chance to not dry out. Um, so, yeah. And masks will make you breathe through your mouth, too. It's, it's just, yeah. It just seems to happen more yeah. often, so people are a bit more dry. Because you don't want to smell your own breath, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, there are some folks who, who are actually having long-term, we call them long haulers, yeah. people who have COVID who are having significant issues that are continuing long after they've gotten over the acute phase of COVID. Some of these involve respiratory issues. Some of them are are uh, cardiac issues as well, a lot of fatigue. We can see people who've been in the hospital, might have been intubated for long periods of time. We're having, we're seeing scarring in the larynx. So these are other types of patients that we're seeing who have voice issues, but many other things that need to be managed as well. And um, th that's, uh, that's one thing we've seen lots of number, uh, a great number of patients with, with those conditions. Are there professional populations who've had a harder time adopting to COVID safety measures? You know, that's a good question, Chris. I think that um, there are definitely populations and, and populations that I'd like to speak about actually isn't so much a professional population, but the population of seniors. Yeah. So we have our seniors and oftentimes they're hard of hearing. And now they're being put in conversational situations where their caregivers or their friends or their family are now, if they're even in the same place, they're masked. And they're also um, uh, through Zoom. So what they're dealing with is maybe not understanding the technology and then maybe not being able to lip read. Um, yeah. Because you would be surprised how much we use lip reading to, to figure stuff out. Sure. So there's our seniors. Um, there's our, our people who are hard of hearing. There are teachers, you know, across the board have all had to pivot rapidly in the way that they teach. And as I mentioned before, they're teaching for a really, you know, long time during the day. So, um, and then there's a, a population of teachers who work with students with special needs. And students with special needs are then going to react differently to your six feet of distance, yeah. your mask. Um, those types of situations are, are hard to navigate if we really think about it. Sometimes I think even about on the other side of the spectrum, foremans uh, at a construction site, you know, before we were taking masks out, off outside, um, having to speak over all of that background noise. And you've got this, you know, somewhat thick mask on to protect you and others, just trying to keep everybody safe, which um, you, ha you would have to project over the background noise normally. And now you're having to project over it through a mask and to further distances than before because everybody's spread out. So it, it's been tough. I, I gotta say, I, I think I've seen um, this adaptation to COVID really affect so many people sure. yeah. and the way in which they communicate. We're just a couple minutes away from bringing in a special guest to give us a World Voice Day 2021 performance. Before we get to that, I wanted to ask both of you, uh, as a speech-language pathologist star, what is the one thing that's helped you get through the pandemic? And then same question for you, Dr. Lafreniere. Oh, yeah. Well, I got to say, I can't narrow it down to one thing, um, but I got to say it's the technology. Uh, you know, the, the Zoom. 
um, telemedicine, good Wi-Fi, an excellent microphone, good speakers. Like I, I am grateful for my tech <laughs> every day. And then I think other than tech, it's just flexibility and patience. Um, that is that has been key because even if I'm all set up, I have to be patient while my patient, you know, kind of tries to find right. their Wi-Fi and our connection and all of those things. And, you know, sometimes things just go a little bit slower. And I think flexibility, patience, and, you know, of course, a, a good sense of humor has has been key. How and about as, you? As an otolaryngologist, Dr. Lafreniere. Sure. I mean, the thing that's that struck me, I mean, obviously I agree with Star, that the, the, the technology has been helpful, and the third-party payers, the insurance companies, have, have, mm. have paid and supported that change, which has really accelerated it. But what's gotten me through, I think, is, is really the feeling of, of teamwork. And it's amazing how hard our colleagues have worked. We're, all physicians are faced with challenges, but I got to tell you, my, my colleagues that were working in the ICU and the nurses working in the ICU uh, have been tremendous heroes. They've been inspiring, and everyone wants to help because they're, they're thrown into, they were thrown into one of the hardest situations you can imagine and, and working without complaint. And all of us seem to pick that up uh, in the, uh, here at UConn Health for sure, that everyone wants to be part of the, of the solution and uh, making that work, move, moving us forward. And it's been inspiring and that's kept you going. That, it, you don't mind putting on the PPE and dressing like you're going to Mars because mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're you know, fulfilling the mission. And, uh, and they, they've been inspiring examples of what we should do. Yeah, Dan, and, and think about the front staff too, mm-hmm. or the schedulers and you know, everyone from, from the folks who say hello to the people as they're now showing up and all the way to the nurses in the ICU. It's just, it's really been incredible. Yeah. And everyone stepped up because everyone technically was at risk. Right. And, and they, they just took that challenge and said, this is our job. We're going to take care of you. And, and that, that's helped get me through. This is a special edition of UConn Health's podcast of World Voice Day 2021. We've talked about how this has impacted U.S. care providers and the office staff and such. What about the performers themselves? Well, we have a very special guest joining us now. We have Javier Colon, a Connecticut native whom you might remember as the first winner of the NBC singing competition, The Voice. Javier, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Chris. How are you guys? We're doing very well. We're so glad you're able to join us here on World Voice Day. I'd like to ask you, Javier, first, how did you get to know the voice team at UConn Health? Oh, uh, gosh. Uh, we, we go back a long time. Um, I've been uh, a, a patient of Dr. Lafreniere. I mean, goodness. Um, uh, I mean, I want to say at, at least, I mean, the better part of the last, you know, probably 15 years, maybe t- uh, maybe t- even maybe even more. Um, I've been, uh, yeah, he's been my, my saving grace many times, uh, when I have run into trouble, which, uh, sometimes happens when, uh, when you perform a lot. Uh, and yeah, so I, I've been, uh, I've been, you know, I've been in the office <laughs> many times. I've been scoped and, uh, you know, many times to make sure everything still looks healthy and, and all of that doc's, uh, taking great care of me. And I'm, I'm very thankful, uh, to him and, and the whole team for, for always being there for me uh, when uh, when I need them. So, Hav, how have you uh, dealt with the pandemic? H- how do you feel it's changed your work? 
Uh, you know, gosh, I think it's changed not, you know, not only my work, but the kind of work, uh, work in general or, or what folks would, would call work. Um, uh, I mean, for me, you know, specifically, um, you know, as soon as the pandemic hit, uh, you know, mid March or so, um, you know, I, I had, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to be traveling for a while. I knew that we weren't going to be doing shows for a while. And, uh, I knew that people were, you know, hungry for, for things to do because everyone all of a sudden, you know, the whole world was, was, uh, stuck at home. Um, so I, you know, I, I said, you know, I'm, I guess I, I have to take, take it online. So I had all the equipment to, to do online things and I had done them before, but I, you know, I decided to kind of take it a step further and, and, uh, I created this thing I, I called the, uh, the quarantine concert series where I would, uh, every Saturday night at, at, uh, 8 PM or so, uh, I would, you know, get on Facebook live and I would, you know, I would just sing, I would do requests, I would do covers, I would do my own songs from my own albums. Uh, and then after I did that a few weeks, I said, listen, I'm gonna have to, you know, start like making themes for, <laughs> for these things. So uh, I would do like an 80s night and an R&B night and a rock night. And, and uh, I did it for 16 weeks. And uh, it was it was really it was really fun, um, but it was also very therapeutic for me. And uh, from from the feedback that I got, it was it was also therapeutic for uh, for those who were uh, who were listening. And I, I was just thankful, uh, you know, to have been able to, you know, continue singing something that makes me happy, something that that you know you know keeps you know keeps me engaged and and just kind of kept me you know kept me working in a way, kept me sharp. Um, and then shortly after that, you know, we started, you know, getting some more requests for some other, you know, virtual performances, uh, you know, for, for, you know, corporate uh, uh, entities and private entities as well as, as uh, charities as well. So um, that's, you know, that has been my, my world for the last, uh, you know, the last year and, and change has been, you know, doing, you know, corporate and, and private, you know, Zoom <laughs> meetings, college, uh, colleges that, uh, you know, we're looking for entertainment for their, their students. Uh, we were, I was doing some of those as well, uh, a good amount of those. And, and, uh, I found a way to somehow, you know, stay, stay busy. It was nowhere near what I had done in, in the past, but, uh, you know, for a typical year, but it was still, uh, you know, it was still, I was still working, which, which, uh, which was nice, which was nice to, to have. Wow. Javier, that's fantastic. That is really great to hear that you were able to pivot like that and continue to sing and and touch your audiences through this medium. I'm just wondering, like, you know, when you have a live performance, there's kind of a give and take with your audience and there's a lot of energy exchange and adrenaline. And, you know, how did you recreate that uh, when you went online? Uh, You know, there's not really a way to to recreate that that energy in a way I kind of had to uh to lose myself in a in a different way um you know and, and just not expect that uh that feedback you know uh there was you know when I would do the Facebook live uh, performances at least I could look in the chat window and I could see you know what people are saying I wouldn't look at it while I'm singing but I would look at it after you know each song and you know see what you know what folks were saying uh, but there were some events where, you know, it was just me, you know, on a screen. All that I could see was myself. If I was doing like a, some of these corporate events and things that I would do, 
where, you know, I'm, I'm just singing to, I know that I'm singing to people. I know there's people out there, but I can't see uh, any feedback from them <laughs> whatsoever. Um, they could have all left and gone to the bathroom at this point. And I would have, I'd have no idea. Um, but I, you know, you just, you just keep going and you just, you know, uh, it's hard to tell stories. Uh, sometimes it's hard to, uh, cause those are the things, especially, you know, those stories in between the songs where, you know, you, you try to pull folks in and you really gauge your audience, um, you know, how long, you know, you should tell a story. Should you go into more detail? You know, you can tell you know, just how interested a room is, um, or uninterested, <laughs> you know, they might be, and they just want you to get back to the, to the songs. So that, that stuff was, you know, impossible to, uh, to gauge, but, um, you know, I found, uh, you know, I, I just would kind of look to myself and say, Hey, listen, just, you know, perform the song. You know, I, I tend to lose myself, you know, when I'm on stage, uh, as well, you know, when I'm singing a, a song anyway. So, so that part, you know, wasn't, um, wasn't too strange uh, for me, but it was just the, you know, the idea of not, you know, getting any response or any feedback whatsoever, you know, uh, from, from anybody. So, well, I hope, <laughs> I hope they like that. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> you are listening to a special Yukon Health podcast, World Voice Day 2021. And that voice you're hearing is that of Javier Colon, recording artist, and also joining us, Dr. Dennis Lafreniere and Star Cookman from Yukon Health's Voice and Speech Clinic. So, Hav, obviously you're talking about staying connected to your audience when they're not there. Um, how's your composition been going? What have you been working on? And is, and is there something you'd like to play for us today? Um, you know what? There's uh, uh, I, I did some I did some writing uh, while I was uh, in quarantine. Um, the first part of of quarantine, I said the first you know six to eight months of, of quarantine, I didn't really do as much writing as I, I feel I, I could have. Um, I was uh, I, you know I was just kind of preoccupied with you know the the pandemic and keeping everyone safe and you know my family and and uh you know making sure my parents were okay um I, you know i i didn't really you know think about uh the the writing side didn't come to me i have a lot of friends that they wrote a ton and i i felt bad cuz i didn't write much uh of anything i started writing um you know some song some songs a little later on but um i didn't you know there's still things that i'm i'm you know continually working on that uh that are not finished but i do you know you know obviously i i uh i have other songs that uh yeah i would i'd absolutely love to uh to play you something if uh if that's okay oh, we'd love to hear it that'd yeah. be great that'd be kind of okay with us yeah <laughs> <laughs> awesome i'll i'll play you um this song is uh, is one of mine, um, you know, uh, not only, you know, were we dealing with the pandemic, uh, you know, but we were also dealing, uh, you know, with a lot of other issues as a country. Um, and this uh, this song is a song that I, I wrote, uh, I've, gosh, a, a few, I see my last album came out in 2016. So I, I wrote this, um, I wrote this, I want to say in 2015 uh, or so, and um it's a song that that just uh, really uh, it, it moves me, and and uh, I hope I hope that uh, hope that you like it. It's uh, it's called Walking Blind. Mm-hmm. 
There would be no lines, no way to divide. The world would be drawn differently. It'd be hard to have enemies. So clear how much we need to treat each other decently. To be known for one's character, not by race or by size. To be free from the burden of how we look on the outside. We could see the truth without our eyes. Beautiful would be something in our minds. Oh, we could love. Whoever we want to love, we would be kind If we were all walking blind If we were all walking blind Oh How could we have wars? And who would we ignore if we were all living? Equally, could we put our differences aside, swallow our last bit of pride, help one another willingly to be known for the words we speak and not for what we buy, to be free from the judgments that we all use sometimes. see the truth without our eyes beautiful would be something in our minds oh we could love whoever we want to love we would be kind if we were all walking blind one day that we wouldn't live in fear one day that could turn into years We could see the truth without our eyes Beautiful would be something in our minds Oh, how we can love whoever we want to love I don't think I mind if we were all walking blind If we were all walking blind oh. Wow oh. You wrote gorgeous. that, you were like ahead of your time with that song It's called Walking Blind by Javier Colon I tell you, Hav, the sentiments of that song are, I think, how the way a lot of people have gotten through this pandemic. So that was beautiful. Thank you, Doc. Uh, I, you know, I, I, uh, I'm glad that you liked it. I, um, you know, I wrote that song, like I said, you know, a, a while back with uh, with some friends in in Nashville, and and at the time, you know, there were some incidents of uh, of social injustice that were were prevalent uh, in the news, and it just we felt compelled uh, to write something about it. And and for me, that song rang true then and uh you know unfortunately it still you know rings true today uh hopefully 
you know, we're making, and I feel like we're making steps in the, in the right direction, which I'm, I'm thankful for, but we still have a long, a long way to go. But I mean, the bottom line is if we, you know, could all, you know, just treat each other kindly, you know, treat each other like you'd like to be treated, um, you know, all around, I think, uh, you know, we would just be in a, in a much, much better place, but thank you guys for, for letting me, uh, sing that one. And I'm, I'm honored that, uh, that you liked it. Very impressive. Thank you for sharing it with us. It's so, uh, it's just so beautiful, Javier. I think I, I, I was over here, tears are in my eyes, and I think it might be my favorite new song. So I just, I <laughs> oh, really appreciate you. you sharing that. And your voice, your voice just sounds fantastic. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, how you kept your voice healthy and flexible um, during this time of probably less singing, I would imagine. And, and along those lines, if you had some suggestions for other singers... Um, for what they might be able to do as we go from quarantine life to entering into maybe some performing again uh, sometime willing. soon. <laughs> God willing, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, God willing, absolutely. Uh, you know, we hope that, that performing is, uh, is just uh, around the corner again. Um, you know, but funny enough, you know, I felt like I, I sang more uh, almost in the, you know, during the pandemic at, at some points than, than I, I sing, you know, you know, on a regular oh, wow. year when I'm, when I'm traveling, uh, we were doing a lot of singing at home, um, between my, uh, my online shows, my, my quarantine shows that I was doing and just sitting at the piano and, and sing with my kids. You know, we got to spend a lot of time with the kids and it was, it was awesome. I, I've never been home this much in their lives, you know? So, uh, so we got to do a lot of, uh, a lot of singing and a lot of, um, just spending time to, together and, and uh, you know, listening to music and, and enjoying music in, in, uh, in, in a lot of ways. And uh, they started playing ukulele and, and, uh, and mm-hmm. guitar and stuff. So uh, there was a lot of singing going on. So I did do a lot of uh, a lot more singing probably in that this time frame than I than I would, you know, normally have done. Um, and with respect to uh, advice for, for folks, um, I mean, for me you know, the things that are important uh, to keep my voice healthy are, are sleep. I mean, I need, I need to get sleep. If I don't get sleep, my voice is not happy <laughs> at all. Um, if, um, you know, if I can drink a lot of water, that always, uh, always helps uh, to, to stay hydrated. Um, and then if I'm singing a lot and, and my voice starts to feel funny or, you know, starts to feel, you know, something feels uncomfortable, you know, I um, always, you know, try to ease up uh, if I can, you know, stop singing, give myself some vocal rest for a bit. Um, that is always, uh, that is always helpful. I never try to push through, um, you know, something that feels uncomfortable. If I, you know, if I can avoid it, I try to avoid that at all, at all costs. And, uh, also, you know, another thing that's helped me a lot is, uh, that I am singing more in my mixed voice, uh, instead of my chest voice. I used to sing in my chest voice, uh, pretty much for everything. <laughs> it was either chest or falsetto. Um, but I would always sing in my chest voice and, and I'd get really tired. And, and, um, uh, I found my, my mix. I, I mean, I knew, uh, my, of my mix and I had my mix at, at one point. Um, but, but it wasn't uh, until recently until I kind of rediscovered it and I, uh, realized that, that I wasn't using it. And I said, you know, I, I need to, I need to try to get back to that. And, and that's, uh, that's when I found my mix. And, and it's, I mean, it's just, uh, it's been a godsend because I, you know, uh, it just takes a lot of stress off of my vocal cords, which which is, has been amazing. Oh, you are right on with that. Good job, Javier. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We just heard Javier Colon, uh, Dr. Lafreniere, and Star Cookman from the 
UConn Health Voice and Speech Clinic. We just heard Javier Colon tell us about his chest voice versus his mixed voice. So who can explain to me what that is? Well, I'll t- <laughs> in five seconds or less, right, <laughs> Javier? <laughs> you know, um, I think the best way to think about it is that the voice, uh, the human voice, has different registers in it. And those registers are collections of notes that tend to be close together in terms of pitch, where the timbre or the tone of those notes all kind of sound the same. So that is considered to be a register, the the, um, traditional definition of register. The um, most common thing that we can associate with register flipping is yodeling. So if you think about yodeling, you hear somebody changing pitches really rapidly, but they're also changing the timbre or the tone of their voice. So what that yodeler might be doing is going from what's called chest voice or modal register, which is the register we use to talk, up to another register, which is called falsetto. And um, each register corresponds to a different way that the vocal folds are vibrating. So in the lowest register, the vocal folds are vibrating fully, like the entire vocal fold is vibrating against the other one. And um, the whole body of the vocal fold is involved. But up in falsetto, the vocal folds are stretched nice and taut. And just the edge of the vocal fold is engaged in vibration. So it changes the timbre quite a bit. And singers tend to make some errors with their registers, meaning they'll take their high register down too low or their low register, their chest voice, up too high. And I think, Javier, what he was talking about was he probably was taking his chest voice up too high, and that can be very fatiguing. That can end up giving a powerful sound, but that sound doesn't have a lot of stamina. And it can lead singers down the road to some injury, fatigue, uh, things like that. The, the, The shouting voice doesn't age well. So we are able to, you know, on, on Broadway, in pop, in all sorts of different genres, we're able to create a blended or mixed register between the head voice or the upper register and the lower register to get this middle sound. And it takes a lot of pressure off the vocal folds, but we're able to work with resonance so it still packs a wallop. It still okay. has a lot of punch to it. And it responds beautifully to flexibility. So you can, you know, our singers, as you heard with with Javier's beautiful singing, you can hear him just easily going through a number of notes all at once, you know, a a run or a riff. And it's just, uh, he's got a lot of flexibility in that mixed register. Now, Javier, you obviously must have been singing for a very, very long time, probably since you were talking is my guess. When did you come into the knowledge of the kind of thing that Star just told us about, or like kind of discovering your mix versus your chest voice and that kind of a thing? Um, you know, I, uh, I yes, I, I've been singing since I was, uh, I was very little, probably about you know the same time that I, I could talk. So says my my mom. Uh, she has little uh, tape recordings of, of us singing together when uh, when I was I was very young um she called it singing i when you listen to it it wasn't really singing to me but it was you know i was vocalizing i was i was trying <laughs> uh, at, the, at the at the time um but uh yeah I, you know i i started to learn about uh you know my my voice when i started taking voice lessons in seventh grade um i took lessons uh all through from seventh grade all the way through high school um, and then when I, I went to the Hart School of Music um, 
where I, my first year I was a music theater major, and then I, um, I transitioned to music ed, and I started taking classical uh, lessons. And at that point, um, you know, I had been a baritone up until that point, like in, in high school and in, in choir, you know, I would always, I would always try to sing like high stuff, but I, I was never really, uh, I, I never considered myself a, a tenor. And then in those, uh, in those lessons, we started talking more about technique and uh, where I started really, you know, learning uh, how to control my voice, uh, you know, in a, in a much better way that was a lot less stressful. And that's where I was told, Hey, you know, you're, you're a tenor. <laughs> and I was like, get out. Really? And they were like, he, he was like, absolutely. My, my, uh, uh, my teacher said, yeah, you're, you're a tenor and I'm going to give you tenor repertoire. And that's, that's how, um, that's how I started, you know, really, uh, exploring, uh, my, uh, you know, the, the tenor range. Um, and then, you know, in singing, you know, I mean, I love singing all different styles of, of music and, um, so when I, it's, it's funny when I would sing more of the classical stuff, I would, I would do it right. But then sometimes I would revert back when I was singing the other pop stuff or the other R and B stuff. Um, and then gosh, after the voice in like 2011, I was doing a tour and I was singing, um, don't stop believing by journey. And we were singing it on, on the tour and every night it was like, Oh God, you know, I love this song, but it was, is so high. Um, and then it was during one of the tour stops where I was like, I'm going to sing this in, I, I didn't really think of it as my mix, but I was like, I'm just going to sing this differently. And then I realized how much easier it was. And I was like, oh my God, this is my mix. <laughs> like I forgot about my mix. And then I, 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 I've been singing in it. Um, I've been singing in it ever, ever since. Uh, so uh, I'm very grateful to have, uh, you know, reunited with my mix and uh, it has saved me uh, many, many times now. And my voice is not anywhere near as fatigued after a show as it usually is. Um, I've not lost my voice. I mean, Dr. Lafrenia, you, you probably know I haven't called you recent, as recently or as, as much as I used to. <laughs> I thought it was something uh, you know, I said. I, because I was, I was <laughs> having issues. I'm, I'm not having as many issues because I'm using my voice um, much less strenuously. And, and uh, I'm, I'm able to sing longer um and safer now um because uh, because of 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 that so yeah it, taking care of your instrument uh, is is obviously paying off now now Hav, i do have a question for you I, I know you know you've you've obviously been able to stay in shape and you've been able to to gig as you can through through the virtual format but i know there are a lot of artists there who haven't been able to perform because we haven't been able to get people together and can you tell us a little bit about the artist job bank that you helped form with uh, the West Hartford Commission of the Arts and, and how that's going? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I got a, a call from, uh, from Chuck Corsi, who, who is, uh, you know, heading our, our uh, Commission of, of the Arts here in, in uh, West Hartford. And they were looking to, to form, uh, they're looking to form a commission, you know, and they wanted someone like myself who was an artist who, um, who was you know, working in, in the field that could maybe give some, uh, you know, shed some light on, uh, you know, what some of the artists are facing, you know, in this, in, in during the pandemic and how, you know, how we could potentially help. So I was happy to jump on board. Uh, my friend, Latanya Farrell, who I, yeah, I know, uh, you guys have, have, uh, have, have, you know, worked with before, um, you know, she's, uh, she's also on, on the board and, and, uh, she's another, just, she's just an amazing singer, 
um, and she also gigs as, as well. So um, I was happy to be able to jump in and, and, you know, just kind of put all of our heads together and see what we could do to help artists that, uh, that were struggling. Cause there's a lot of, uh, a lot of folks struggling, you know, with, you know, just the, like a complete loss of, of, uh, of employment because I mean, we couldn't, if you can't travel, if you can't gather, uh, it was really hard for folks to make music. So one of the ideas that we had come up with was to make a, an artist job bank. Um, I knew through, um, through the things that I was doing, the, the corporate events and some of the charity events that I was um, still being hired for, that there are, in fact, um, companies and, you know, sometimes private entities uh, or charities that are looking to hire people to do some virtual events or some, you know, something outdoors that was, you know, well-spaced, you know, per, um, you know, the, you know, our restrictions at the time. So uh, I said, you know what, it's, I think we have to find, you know, a way for these, you know, these artists to, you know, to find the folks that are looking for talent and for those companies and, and uh, entities that are looking to find talent, we need to somehow get them together. So we created this, um, it's a, a job bank. It's a, it's a, a website that you can go to and you can sign up as an artist and you put in all of your information, uh, what it is that you do. You can put your website, you can put um, some YouTube links of, of, of your performances. Um, and then that goes on another page that then um, uh, the corporations or the, uh, the charity, uh, um, the charitable organizations can go to and then, uh, you know, try to look for folks to hire for these events that uh, that they're that they're doing. And so far, we've got uh, we've got a bunch of folks signed up. Uh, I was trying to find an easy way to give you the uh, the website, um, but the easiest way out because it's it's a little it's not on our you know the westhartford.gov website. So um, the best way for you to find it is if you Google uh, artist job bank um, and on weha.com. They did a great article, um, and it has a picture of myself and Latanya uh, on there. And you can, if you scroll down, it'll it'll tell you here's where you sign up. Uh, and also, um, there's also if you're one of the um, a business that's looking to uh, to hire someone or a private, uh, you want to hire somebody for a private party. Um, you know, and this it's not just singers uh, or musicians. This is you know visual artists. So this could be. Jugglers this could be folks that are, you know, that make, uh, you know, balloon animals. Um, it, you know, it could be that. It could be all the way up to, uh, you know, trying to hire, a, you know, a string quartet for, for something that you're, you know, looking to do. So we're happy that uh, we were able to put this together and hopefully help, you know, folks who are looking for um, entertainment find those entertainers who desperately need uh, the, the help and, and the work right now. Oh, that's outstanding. Thanks, Huff. Thank you. Wonderful. Javier no Colon, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being part of UConn Health's 2021 World Voice Day celebration. We really appreciate you sharing your voice and your gift and your time with us today. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. Always, uh, always great to speak with you all, and uh, stay safe, and I hope I get to see you in person soon. <laughs> you Sounds <bet>. good. <laughs> well, that was terrific. Javier Colon joining us, singing for us, yeah. sharing his perspective. Uh, you work with performing artists quite a bit in your line of work, Star Cookman and Dr. Dennis Lafreniere from UConn Health's Voice and Speech Clinic. Is there a particular category of performing artists who might have been impacted the most by the state we've been in here? 
Yes, Chris. I, I think choirs have had a significant impact. Uh, it's an emotional impact for most people who like mm. to sing in choirs because it's it's a, a wonderful way for folks to emote, and that's been taken away from them. So we get a lot of questions. When will we be able to go back in the choir? What do we have to do to do that? Well, number one is the same thing we're asking everyone else to do. Wear masks. Even when you're in choir, when you're rehearsing, you're going to wear masks. You're going to have to be separated by at least six feet between choir members. Hopefully an open air um, a forum where you're going to have fresh air coming in or really good turnover. If you're sick, you don't show up. Uh, there's about 11 of these steps that our colleagues around the country have put together in a publication, which okay. we'll be able to share with folks uh Sure. We'll put that link in the notes, the show notes of, of this podcast so people can refer to those and, and dig those up for sure. Yeah. That's great. And, you know, I think that um, we've actually learned a lot about um, how we can adapt to these situations. And I think that some of these adaptations for choirs are probably maybe here to stay. Um, whereas maybe not masking all the time and having to be six feet away from each other. But I think health screenings are going to be uh, here to stay for a bit, or at least, at least I hope they are. And I think that people moving forward might decide that they could take a hybrid approach between um, Zoom rehearsals and in-person rehearsals. And if somebody wasn't feeling great, like let's say they just had a little tickle in their throat, in the past, I think those folks um, would normally show up to choir thinking, oh, I think it's just allergies, yeah. or I think not really knowing what's happening. I might be getting a cold, I'm not sure. I've certainly heard that in somebody who's in my office or somebody who's at choir. Right. And they might be encouraged to stay at home and watch the broadcast of the rehearsal rather than actually going in so that they they stay connected. And I think that might actually help us stay healthier in a lot of ways. And some of the local hygiene there too, wiping down uh, the, uh, if, you're, if you're at a stand, at a music stand and afterwards and making sure that you're washing your hands and avoiding shaking hands. You do the touch elbows and uh, smaller rehearsals, shorter rehearsal times. Mm -hmm. These are things that can help mitigate some of these issues. And once everyone gets vaccined, uh, their vaccine, uh, I think this is going to be a lot easier to deal with. I, I hopefully anticipate choir singing again this fall. That Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. And I, I think that people need to understand, you know, and, and be understanding about the rate of science and how we're able to get evidence-based uh, advice takes time. And so are we going to be able to ever assure complete safety? Like you will be completely safe if you do these measures. I'm going to say no on that. However, we're going to do a risk analysis at some point, And using all of these guidelines, we can bring down the infectability really low. And, and, uh, and then people will have to you know, take those risks based on their own health and whether or not they fall into one of the categories that put them at higher risk for developing COVID. There's been a lot of wonderful music that's been made virtually. My, yeah. my son was in, in one of the choirs at, at UConn and they put together some wonderful pieces. And as, as much fun as they had, it's not the same as being standing there with your colleagues and being able to create music. Yeah. It's not the same feeling and everyone knows that. And so getting folks back uh, into choirs to be able to perform uh, to selective audiences, uh, I think is the goal. And I think that's something that we're going to be able to achieve in the near future. You know, great. I just heard about a something called a driveway choir yeah. where the uh, everybody's in their car 
with the windows up and they have headphones on and they're able to simultaneously hear all of the other singers and then <laughs> the the director you know is in the parking lot okay. on a little bit of a stage directing you know as you can imagine it looks like they're directing a bunch of fords and yeah, yeah. you know jeeps <laughs> and <laughs> And then uh, they're able to record, you know, the choir. So it's some of these some of these adaptations are really clever, really clever. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. Keep the windows rolled up. Everyone's listening in real time to the music. Correct. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, it's World Voice Day 2021. We've had a fantastic show here. Javier Colon came and joined us. If you missed it, back that up a little bit and listen to him sing for us. Uh, Star Cookman. Dennis Lafreniere from Yukon Health Voice and Speech Clinic. Uh, I had a really great time doing this with you. I hope you had fun, too. So much. And maybe by World Voice Day 2022, we'll go back to doing it in person. Yes! And maybe we can get Javier here to, you know, do something live and in person for us. That would be fabulous. Fantastic, Thank Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for hosting us today. Thank you. And for Javier Colon, Star Cookman, and Dr. Dennis Lafreniere, I'm Chris Francesco. Thank you so much for listening to our special World Voice Day podcast. And be sure to subscribe to the Yukon Health Pulse podcast channel so you never miss an episode. There would be no lines, no way to divide. The world would be drawn differently. So clear how much we need to treat each other decently To be known for one's character, not by race or by size To be free from the burden of how we look on the outside